When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, all right, all right. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Today we are talking about training camp hockey. So games in the uh, in Australia, games in the United States, bold predictions, get in the chat, like and subscribe. Hey, and Mark Stone, get bodied. Let's go. <laughs> You know, he, he's that was good. our players. I got I to gotta I, call him out. I like it. You ain't going to come in here and, and, and mess around <laughs> with our players here saying they're nobodies because uh, you just lost to uh, the Swamp Rabbits pretty much um, <laughs> there, Vegas. So, no, I like it. Everybody, thank you guys for coming in the chat. Get in there. Uh, you know, hit uh, hit that uh, like button just like Stone got hit up into the boards. And that way we can get this podcast rolling. Joe Russell, how are you guys doing this evening? Doing good, doing good. It's good to be able to watch some hockey again. Having a, having a good time so far. How about you, Joe? Oh, uh, it's fantastic to be able to actually kind of just talk about real, not real games, right? They're not regular season games, but like actual hockey's going on in terms of stuff. We can see players. We're watching the young guys. We're seeing how they're doing. We're seeing some of the new pieces, the goaltending. You name it. Like it's, uh, it's just it's really starting to settle in now. So it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Rando, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, in case people weren't here last week, um, I won a little bottle of bourbon here uh, from our co-host Joe. So I'm gonna crack that open and just have a little, you know, just a little one glass, just to smooth over my, uh, you know, my shyness here in the podcast. So Thank that you. way we can uh, have you a pr- uh, proper episode here. But uh, no, I'm doing well. Um, I'm uh, plane bound or Europe bound on Monday. So uh, I will be missing the next three episodes of Hockey Royalty. And if I have that much jet lag, maybe four. We'll see. Um, <laughs> uh, try, to get, try to get it all in there. But your boys will be covering the front of the season, an episode, maybe some other stuff going on per week, depending on uh, what they uh, drum up. So please still you know, tune in because I know that I'm the, the wacky one here, but you're going to still get lots of great Kings content with my boys on the mic. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited, man. I, I got to see some Spain, some Portugal, a little bit of Turkey. Have some good food. Have some oh, good wine. Nice. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fun. Hopefully, go oh, yeah. to a uh, Real Madrid game. But their ticket system is ridiculously dumb over there, in my opinion. To be, to be honest with you, like tickets aren't even sale for the game on October 8th until October 2nd. Like they yeah. only put them on sale a week before. And I don't know if that's because of how like fast they sell out. 
or like what's the reasoning behind that you know like but like for a person who's traveling over like five thousand miles to get there or whatever you know it's kind of a pain in the butt that i don't really have like a like a for sure seat i could buy a vip pack if i wanted to throw out 500 euros but i figured <laughs> i'd risk it and, and and try to see what's going on there i'm guessing it's because of just the fandom is so rampant that like they want to just release it the week before and get give everybody the fair chance of tickets but it's kind of nerve-wracking for me yeah i would imagine but at the very least you'll be i mean i guess worst case scenario you can watch if you really wanted to you can probably get the atmosphere down around the stadium watching the game somewhere down there too which would be probably a blast doing it with the locals i'm gonna have to see if there's like a like a you know uh draft not draft kings but um like a, a third party after sell website for for spain because none of the ones that i have over here are working i was like trying to type them all in there. <laughs> no 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 games for that for that team so we'll see let's let's get into it boys before we get into bold predictions uh we are going to be doing a bold prediction segment later on so if you have one and you did not submit them to russ in his tweet uh get those ready but right now we're gonna be talking about the preseason games let's throw it over to the land down under we we previewed that segment uh, two games over there. One game was with the majority of the starters. Second game, we threw in a lot of other guys that got to go on the trip. Overall, what was your impression of the trip? Maybe some good, some bad uh, for that segment there, Joe. Um, I mean, in, in general, it was just, again, kind of good to get back on the ice or good to see the guys back on the ice type of thing. I mean, nothing really – I didn't have any, like, grand takeaways necessarily from the games. Um you know, I'm and again trying to think back now because it, it was at this point it was almost a week ago. But um, you know, we saw some decent performances from from certain players. I thought like Alex Turcott looked really good uh, when he was in the lineup. Like Jordan Spence had a nice weekend. Um, you know, so we got to see our first taste for some of these guys. Andreas Englund, we got to see him. Um, you know, the goaltending, we got a little bit of a taste of what we're looking like in goal as all three of them played. So. Um, you know, again, all in all, it was it was probably just you know it, it was good to see hockey, um, and it was probably just good for the the players to actually because there's a lot of fanfare, all sorts of stuff going on there. Probably just good to be on the ice and play, right? So that that was that was kind of how I approached it. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I mean, no real takeaways as far as analysis of how the games went on. I, I feel like there's more to this trip in terms of like the camaraderie that it can build from having a team go on such a long road trip to go play a couple of games, be around the teammates, especially for a player like Dubois, right? I mean, he's brand new and all of a sudden he's just thrust to go hang out with the rest of his teammates uh, on a trip to Australia. So, I mean, Adrian Kempe scoring three goals. Can't be upset about that. Trevor Moore looking healthy. Uh, so that's good. But and it is what it is. I mean, it was a preseason game, like this yeah. is a showcase, and like it, it was just it was good for the probably Australia too, the fans, and it sounded like that was a real big hit for the people involved. Um, well, one, one takeaway, I mean that Logan Cooley goal, 
Yeah. That was incredible. Like I, I know it was Arizona that scored the goal, but come on, like that, that was special. That was. Yeah, I mean, that's that the was, stuff you want to see, right? From this kind of trip, you yeah. want to see players just do highlight real goals. Whatever you want, the crowd to have the oohs and ahs, and he he yeah, gave exactly. it to him. I wonder, talk about swag. That kid's wearing two gold chains, <laughs> doing like three sixty goals. Man, that kid's got it all right now. Was, and you got to be thinking as a Coyotes fan, you got to be thinking, man, if this guy's going to be a ten year person on our team. Like that, that, you can't ask for more than that. Hey, that that team is not, you know, they're not going to win a lot of games this year, but they're not going to be an easy out. I mean, there's talent. They've got a goalie who I think is maybe a tad overrated, but he is capable in Vimelka. You know, the decor has got some intriguing pieces back there, some young talent. Like this is, this is, people don't realize, you know, if they forget about, you know, all, all the talk last year in the rookies, but Mateus Michelli was one of the better producing rookies last year uh, for Arizona. That's, that's not going to be a team that's, that's an easy out They're They're quietly getting a little bit better. One, I, I don't take anything necessarily from this. I, but I just was like, as I was, I figured for the heck of it, I'll do the shot contributions for the two, the games in, in Australia. Why not? And seeing Mikey Anderson have 10 shot attempts, nobody else on the Kings had more than seven. I was like, well, that was, again, not necessarily taking anything from it, but you know, you wonder, we, we've talked about, is there an evolution? Is there another level to Mikey Anderson's game? You know, m- might we see him, try to not, not not push the offense, but put more pucks at net type of thing. So I don't know, maybe just something to keep an eye on. If he, I mean, it's, it's probably just the Southern hemisphere, you know, the toilet spin the other way. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like the alter world, Mikey Anderson, where he's just chucking pucks left and right. Yeah. He was Eric Carlson, he was, Mikey Anderson. <laughs> no, was, I mean, that, I, that, that would be good. I mean, we kind of yeah. saw that a little bit with Matt Roy last year, right? I and mean, he's kind of mm-hmm. unlocked a, a newfound offensive step in this game. Just, just a little sidebar. I thought it was really random. I'm obviously the Kings are playing right now in San Diego against the Ducks, and they had Drew Brees there dropping the the ceremonial puck drop before the game. Was that odd? Former San Diego Charger quarterback. So I'm guessing there's a little bit of a connection there. But I was like, whoa, Drew Brees is at the game. This is kind of strange. But Not when you think fans, when so. you think Drew Brees, at least for me, I don't think San Diego. No, I don't think right? San Diego. I mean, you think New Orleans, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, for, but, for Cal- but for California people do they they think San Diego, and I okay. and I and I saw there is a couple uh, snippets out there of San Diego pushing for the next expansion team, and putting an arena down there, and and so and so they're trying to you know maybe see we, if they do got we that really need another of... expansion team in the Pacific Division though do do we need a third one? I mean California is big enough to hold that, but. Like what? What is what is bringing hockey to San Diego? I mean, I know they got their minor league team, the AHL team, but I mean, they have enough population there. They lost the Chargers. The Padres are never good. Like, there's room for another big sports team there. Yeah, true. There's a, it's a big fan base there that's clamoring for a little bit more of a kind of sporting atmosphere, especially. I mean, once baseball's over with, and yeah, nothing else there. Yeah. I mean, you used to have the Clipper. I think the Clippers used to be down there, right? And obviously, the Chargers. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, a missing piece there that I guess they could fill. Let's get into the the goalie side here. Do you guys take any away uh, take anything away from the play of Copley? Not a good couple periods there. Is it is it Russ? Is it just hey, it's Copley? Like what what do you guys think about that? I mean, I didn't like the first goal, the kind of the bank shot from 
behind the net there, but I don't think the other ones were, I mean, the Cooley goal, that's a special goal. Um, I don't know that there was a goal that I was like, be, be, besides that, that first one that I was too bothered by. Um, I don't, I, again, the, these guys aren't in a rhythm in, in, in game rhythm yet. I, I, I'm not thinking twice about it, frankly. I know a lot of people don't want to, uh, I don't, we don't want to take too much of it because you know, it's too early to pull the gun, but that's what our fans are here for. So I'm going to throw out some topics here real quick. So maybe sure. shoot, shoot from the hip stuff. Initial, initial reaction to Fiala and uh, PL Dubois. Yeah. I think there's a start of something good, right? I mean, you saw things that could percolate into something even more. Um, but yeah, this is the first game. The chemistry is kind of getting started, but it kind of seemed like they were making plays happen on ice where you're like, okay, I can see the chemistry start to connect a little bit. We know, or we've just, just in one year of watching Kim Fiala, it's like there, you can't just step on the ice and all of a sudden know how Kim Fiala is going to play and or how you're going to kind of gel with that type of player. He's just a unique player that's so dynamic and it's just so unexpected what he's going to do next with the puck. I mean, even his teammates don't really know. And so, I mean, when you pair him and play your first game like that in terms of Dubois, I thought, I thought they'd show some, uh, some good, uh, good moments playing together. So it's a good start. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I thought the line looked pretty good. Uh, I thought at, for most of that first game, I thought they were the best line on the team. Um, I, I was actually pretty happy with it. I mean, again, as I think you, as you mentioned, it'll take a little bit of time for them to get comfortable, but, um, yeah, I, I, I liked it. I think it's a good start. We'll see, you know, how it evolves and where it goes. And if, if Kaliev sticks with those two, um, for the rest of the preseason, but I thought so far so good for, for that line. That's, I want to, I want to take it to that real quick. So we talked to McClellan after the practice when I think it was what yesterday. Um, and he had mentioned that they had asked Kaliev to do more over the summer, whether it was stay in LA, work with the team a little bit more, whatever it was, they asked mm-hmm. him to do it and he obliged. So that's good to hear. So it seems like that spot with Fiala and Dubois is Kaliev's to lose, which was not probably not the biggest surprise, but I don't know. I just feel like for some reason, there's just something missing in terms of Kalia's game that I just don't know will click with Dubois and Fiala. So I wanted, I wanted to get your guys' take on that. Do you think that – or do you see Kalia sticking with those two or do you see that that kind of gelling together as a line? I don't think I see it sticking. Um, just because I, I – and maybe I'm I'm looking too much into last year. I just wonder that I, I if it I just don't know how long his leash is, right? So if, if things don't click early, depending on how the results are at the team level, if we might see McClellan look to make a little bit of a change. I mean, I think we've talked about. I, I just wouldn't be surprised to see Trevor Moore up there or Victor Arvidsson up there at some point if it doesn't click. Um, I mean, listen, I I think I hope it clicks i mean he's the that's a perfect guy to have on that line with a guy like fiala um and a player like dubois to have somebody with the offensive instincts and the release that he has it's a great combination if it fits um but i guess until i see it i'm just going to be a little kind of hesitant to really totally buy into it i mean i'm hopeful that it does um 
But again, he's been given opportunities in the past and just hasn't, hasn't taken, hasn't taken them yet. Maybe, maybe this will be different. It's kind of where I go with it is the opportunity has been given to him. It's just had, he hasn't grasped it. Obviously he's a young player, but Randy, what do you think? Yeah, I just didn't really think that he had the legs uh, in the first game to keep up with that kind of thing. You're talking about how uh, PL and and it takes a lot to really discern where um, what Fiala is going to do on the ice. I think that you're looking like Kaliev's more of a reactionary type player, where he's looking and 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 really going there, but he doesn't have that first step to make a reaction. So his reaction is trying to find the soft spot and have people react to him. And I just don't think that really gels with what Fiala is trying to do. Fiala is going to move around and, and do whatever he needs to do. And he's going to react to you doing something special, whether that be a saucer pass across the ice, a backwards around the wrap around, whatever. But it just seems like Kaliev fi- tries to find a little soft spot and then waits for the teammates to perform for him in order to get that shot off. Guys, I want to interrupt you real quick because... Oh man, um, I don't know who was the secondary play on it, but I think it was a three on two. Somebody was streaming up the wing. I'm watching the replay. Samuel Figimo screaming up the wing, passes to Brant Clark in the middle of the ice. Brant Clark like looks off the defender to like right in front of him and feeds Alex Lafarrier right to the left for an easy tap in goal. Kings are up one nothing. Yeah, Clark's 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 ridiculous. He's ridiculous. We'll we'll get to him. We'll get to him. Um, I actually think that could work though, Randon, because of Fiala and the way he holds the puck and holds the puck and he's kind of, you called him an amoeba out there. I think Kaliev does have a, a, a really good hockey brain in the offensive zone to where he is capable of finding those soft areas. He's capable of finding those spots on the ice for Kevin Fiala to find him. So I, I do think there's an avenue for that to work. Um, I just I, I gotta see it more. That's all. So I, it's hard to say. I just I, I just don't think that he has. I just don't think he has the the run and gun and and all this kind of stuff to be able to do both. And sure. and so whether that's whether that's stationary in the zone and they're playing half court basketball as they say, or they're doing the run and gun. That line, both PL and and Fiala have the wherewithal and the skill set to do both. Where Kaliev is a half court player. And so they're going to have to limit their skill set in order to play with him where I don't think they should have to. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it's funny because I was, I was actually talking with Jesse Cohen about this at the practice and, and it's funny. We, he made the kind of connection where you, I don't know if you guys like have ever played like one of the EA sports, like NHLs, like it's sometimes when you like make a lineup and you put like three players together, like you would put like a power forward, a playmaker yeah. and a shooter together. And then like, it would all like light up because you have a perfect match of everything together. And that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, sure. This, this yeah. line, right? You have Dubois, the big power forward. You have Fiala, the, the playmaker, and you have the shooter in Kaliev. It's just, I don't know. I just don't see it. And, and, and like, I almost wonder like if Kaliev like gets just back to the fourth line with Lazat, where he's had the most success in his career and just turns into that kind of home run hitter on the second power play unit or first power play, you know, wherever they want to put him. Cause obviously you, with a, a shot that he has, I mean, you don't want to, you want to keep him, get him on the ice as best you can in any offensive situation. But man, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say just because of he scored tonight, but every time I watch Alex LaFerrier play, 
I'm just this guy just impresses me every night, every game. I watch him. He scores obviously tonight. He scored in rookie faceoff. Mm-hmm. He's made an impression with the team to practice with them before the end of the last season. And I just wonder, like, how long? Like, the Kings have obviously been this team that's just so patient with their prospects, but. There's been anomalies where you see like an Ayafala, you see like a Lazat just kind of come out of nowhere and just make the team. And I wonder, like, can LaFerriere be that next guy where he just middle round pick, kind of not really expected, but he's played so well that he's like earned that opportunity to just because we're talking about play your best players. And it just seems like LaFerriere is the best prospect, at least from the forward position right now for the Kings. And I, I mean, for me, I would just rather see him on the ice over a player like Grunstrom. That's, that's all I'm saying. If we're, And if you have to play him in a spot where it's, he's playing with Dubois and Fiala, that might be a little bit too much. But, man, I mean, I just can't see a reason where you don't put that player on the ice sooner rather than later. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of disagreement there. He's looked really, really <laughs> good. Um, it, it just comes back to the roster and, and who's yeah. the odd man out. You know, and then – you know, because I know there was a just you know Turcotte's been getting a lot of buzz, and obviously Samuel Figimo, somebody um, like who the, the odd man out seems like it would be Jared Anderson Dolan in terms of who who goes on waivers because somebody's getting waived, and I guess it could be Grunstrom. I don't know that I necessarily buy that because again. I, I just think Grunstrom's been pretty – he's been a fine player for the Kings. And, and when you look at his, his production numbers, when he plays, it's not bad. So it's I undeniable. Like, I don't understand what his, his hate is. I get it. Like, I get Turcotte. I get all these guys. Yeah. He's not a sexy player. He's, he's going to hit, which the team needs. The team needs mm-hmm. some sort of physical presence. And his shooting percentage is one of the highest in the teams, or goal per 60 or however you want to Goal per 60. So, so – right. Yeah, where I'm at with this, and this goes back to something we've talked about before, this is the frustration with, uh, with the, and it's, it's, you're taking the safe route by, by signing the veteran Trevor Lewis. There's no ceiling there. You are taking the safe route, veteran player, quote unquote veteran presence, lock up the fourth line, and good locker room guy, good quote unquote defensive player. Fine. If that's the route you want to go, fine. I just don't think that's your best player. I don't think that's your best option when you have the likes. I mean, frankly, I, again, talking about Grunstrom, I'd play Grunstrom over Trevor Lewis. And then when you're talking about leaving a, a potentially Lafarriere, I don't want to go too crazy. And I know you're not Russ. I don't want to go too crazy with Lafarriere yet, but even Turcotte who, who, if he's healthy, you've made the point, Russ, if he's healthy, play, Let's get him up. And you, you now you have no room for these guys because you had to go out of your way to sign. And, and listen, maybe Trevor Lewis, you know, is a little is kickstarted by by getting out of Calgary and, and back in Los Angeles, I guess. But again, when you look at what is the ceiling here for, for Trevor Lewis, because you talk about Russ, maybe maybe it's it's Kaliev that goes back down to the fourth line. What made that so great is Kaliev is capable of doing what he did with Lozada. He's capable of still scoring. Lewis isn't. What are we doing here? So that's the frustration is, is I just think you're severely limiting your upside with that type of roster construction. Um, 
it's the safe play and and it's it's easy for me to sit here uh in this chair and and say ah well play one of the kids or play somebody else and you know todd mccollum's the one that's got the contract to to deal with so he's gonna go the safe route i'm not it's it's again he's in the spot that's that's a lot tougher than mine but this is the frustration i would i would i would look at it and say okay you brought in you brought in edler the first season and it worked out well i get it okay you brought in veteran presence the team needed it last year mervara and Bjornfoot were there to play. Now, granted, they haven't uh, Bjornfoot hadn't shown uh, a lot of that, and then Mavara had had really uh, done well in his limited action. Like they could have taken a gamble on a young kid, and they took the the less gamble on an aging veteran or aged out veteran at that point, and it didn't work out well. And then they doubled down this year with Lewis. I think this is a miss. I think it's a small mismanagement of the team. The how many minutes are these guys playing? Is it really that much of a an ask to to bring a guy in? You're not bringing in uh, a Vladimir Tarasenko where it's an older guy playing on the second line, where you're taking a risk, or uh, Ilya Kovalchuk where the expectations are a lot higher. You're bringing in Trevor Lewis to play eight to ten minutes a night, some PK. Like where is where is the upside in that? Like you said, Joe, there is none, and <clears throat> we don't even know if he's still good. Like he's just going to be a sound hockey player. Been. He, he hasn't been Randon to that point so, last couple of years. So I'm just saying, like, what what are they going to lose by playing Jad? What are they going to lose by playing uh, Turcotte or Laferriere eight minutes, ten minutes a night, you know, or, or you know, Fagimo or whatever? Because then when the games aren't going well, you could switch up the lines and have him jump up to the second line to see if you get a spark. But you're not going to be able to do that now because Trevor Lewis isn't a second-line player. I think it was a gross mismanagement of the team a little bit. Uh, a gross and mismanagement or a little is not, those are counter arguments. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that I, I just think that they, it's like, okay, you don't want to, you don't want to play these guys. You don't want to play these guys, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I got, I saw this video the other day and Joe, you have kids. And right. This video said, Hey, you shouldn't tell your kids to be careful. You should ask them if they feel safe. Like if the kids feel like they can play and they can get in the game, which Turcotte shows he can, Laferia shows he can, Fagimo shows he already can in the NHL level in real games, like they feel safe in this type of hockey environment. Like let them play. Like where are we? Why are we coddling these guys continually? Like isn't Fagimo like 22 years old? Like at this point, like he's got nothing to prove in the AHL anymore. Like he's got to get an opportunity. And that where two years ago when you bring in Edler, a lot of these guys are 18, 19 years old. I get it at that point, but the team is different now. Like I just don't understand the move at all. And and it, we've it's seen an unnecessary move. It feels unnecessary, right? That's a good word for it, is unnecessary. And it, it we've the other part of this is we've seen Blake Lazat be a pretty good contributor when he's got some offense on his wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like I, I don't know. I mean, they're they're like tripling down on this defensive and i just don't get it i mean it's it's and again i think this goes without saying all of trevor lewis it's nothing like personal against the great great king cup champion get all that it's just i agree russ it's just it is unnecessary and i i don't know i i just feel like it's it's it is a uh it's a missed opportunity potentially we'll see how things shape out here and listen to the Kings could be playing it like, you know, they're, they're trying to have as big of a roster as possible. Injuries happen, yada, yada, all that stuff. I yeah. get it. Okay. But you could conceivably say, right, a, a healthy Turcotte, which has not happened, but then you've got Fagimo, who's got some NHL ability. 
uh, he, he's got some NHL games under his belt. He's been capable when he's come up and played. Like you've got guys that are ready to kind of step in, and it's like I, I just, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I just disagree uh, with yeah. it, and and it is what it is. So that's why I said last show. I think it was. There is no. There is no. What's the battle? There's no battle. Lewis is the the fourth line is Lazat Lewis, and then one of Grunstrom. And for now, Anderson Dolan, but I guess you could see a Turcotte or a Laferriere. We haven't even mentioned the Akil Thomas who had a hat trick last game. Like, so I don't know. I, I just don't think there's a battle, and I think there should be a battle for those two wing spots. And there's there's a battle for the thirteenth forward right now. Trapper Knight comes in here. We don't need Lewis. He brings leadership, but the young guys are beyond needing a babysitter now. Uh, and I tend to agree with that. Leadership. Let's flip. You got Kopitar, Dano, Dowd. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dude, I, I mean, I PLD should be a leader too. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, been he's talked about it. Boy. He's going to be the leader for like some of the younger guys. And I'm, I'm guessing that means Byfield. But just real quick, it's funny because we, I just saw Brant Clark like make that assist to, on the LaFerre goal. And then like a couple minutes later, like Jordan Spence was like, all right, you want to one up me? I'm going to one up you. And <laughs> dangled through the neutral zone. So you're, you're kind of seeing that like dynamic of what those two on the ice together brings. Yeah, that's okay though. We got to get, you know, Andreas Englund's going to hold down that left, that left D3. <laughs> oh let's, man. Let's triple down on the D. Let's, let's slog it through the neutral zone. That's what we want to do. Um, let's, let's throw it over to the United States. Obviously, uh, in my intro, if you didn't uh, really catch that reference, I was pumped for uh, Stone getting bodied up against the boards. I thought the kids fought. I mean, it was pretty much the Ontario Reign and the Swamp Rabbits versus the uh, LA Gold, I don't know, Vegas Golden Knights, and 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 we and we came out with uh, we came out with a W. I thought it was a hard fought game. I tweeted after the first like it looks like an NHL team versus an AHL team, and they strapped up and and came back in the second and third and in overtime and got a W. Uh, what have been, obviously we've already brought up a lot of the majors that have made recognition in the rookie tournament and the rookie faceoff. Uh, but where, where did you see from that game? Like what stands out to you and, and where are the, these younger crops of guys kind of going forward? Like, what are you guys excited about? I mean, for me, it's just like, it was almost like I, I wanted to buy tickets to a rain game, like right after that game was over with. That's how that's how excited I was with Ontario. Because I talked to I talked to Jared Chaffron at, at the rink the other day, who who travels with the he's the, one of the rain guys. I believe he does uh, color commentary for them. Jared's um, great. Yeah, yeah, he, he's awesome. Um, and I asked him, I was like, hey, what was the room like after the win? Like, I, I can imagine. Like, obviously it's preseason, but I can imagine he's like, oh, guys were pumped. Like, and, and it, it's it's totally understandable. Like, you think about it, like. That was Vegas's first home game mm-hmm. since they won the Stanley Cup, and the rink, the the barn was full. You can tell there was it was packed there. Fans were anticipating seeing all their top guys that were playing. Obviously, Eichel was there, Petrangelo, Stone. I mean, then you have so you and then you have them going up against this team. It was literally the Ontario Rain. That's all it yeah. was. It was pretty much like that could be the starting lineup for the Rain, the opening night, and. After the first two goals, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. This is going to be like a blowout. It's Vegas is going to show out against the rain. And then here comes Hayden Hodgson. And, I mean, like, it was weird because, like, I wasn't really, like, paying attention to the game. I was probably doing something else. And I looked up, and I just see this scrum going on. And, like, Brant Clark's getting tugged by Stone. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Welcome to the the replay. I see the replay, and I'm like, oh, my God. 
that's one of the bigger hits I've seen in a long time. And like totally clean too. Like no, no hit to the head, no blind side, not like, I mean, maybe borderline charging is what I would have thought. I mean, cause he was coming in pretty hard, heavy, but it just screamed like a totally clean hit. Like that just totally changed the whole dynamic of the game. Like you can tell it woke up the team. Uh, I mean, in terms of the Kings, it woke up the Golden Knights, obviously. But the Kings, I mean, you have to give it to them. Like, or quote unquote, like maybe Rain, I guess I can call them. You have to give it to them. I mean, they just really pulled together. And you can tell it's really going to, I guess, prop up a lot of the expectations from what we should deem a pretty good Ontario Rain team this year. So, I mean, I was excited for the game. It was one of the more exciting preseason games I've watched in quite some time. So, yeah, I mean, I hope we see more games like that. I, a few few things for me. One on the hit and the whole f- everything that happened after it. I got no problem with any of it. I got no problem with the hit. This is a kid trying to make a statement. Kid, I don't. I don't think he's a little older than a. Than he's twenty seven. It's funny. Yeah. I hear a lot of people yeah, call yeah. him rookies. Like he's twenty seven years old. Yeah, but he, listen. At the end of the day, he's he's trying to be known. And every player on that ice knows that, like knows these younger or these inexperienced guys, younger guys are trying to make a name for themselves. However, that may be got no problem with the hit. And as you mentioned, it was a clean hit. I also then have a problem with the reaction. Cause you know what? If drew Doughty gets run like that in a preseason game, you bet the best believe yeah. they're going to lose their mind. And you know what? I love the comment from Mark stone in the, in the presser. I love that stuff. I think it's great. I got no problem with any of it. I think everybody walks away. Everybody's fine. Nobody's, you know, nobody's hurt. Everybody's okay. Nobody's feelings are hurt. Let's move on. It was, that was a good old fashioned, just a hit. And I'm not somebody that, that I don't like the scrums and fights after clean hits. I'm I do that. I, when it's preseason, it's your captain. It's a little different for me. So I got no problem with that. So I loved the whole event of it. I have no problem with any of it. None. Of it, it was kind of like the, uh, the hard knocks with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you guys saw that where the guy uh, pushes him like five seconds after the play is over. And he's like, dude, what is that BS? And he goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, he goes, I don't even know who you are. Like, how are you on the field? Aaron Rodgers, you know, like, but it's like, I thought Mark Stone was like, dude, I don't even know this kid's name. And he's just kind of, like, wells and, into me. Like, and then, and Bjorn, and the only player worth mentioning was, which was Clark. It's like, I grabbed him and he didn't want to fight me, you know, like, so it, it, I thought it was great too. Yeah. Like, and listen, it's that's a great chirp. I thought from Stone, I love yeah. that. I got no problem with it. Whatever. I mean, imagine, imagine being Aiden Hodgson. I mean, this he's he's getting more publicity. He's probably exactly. got his whole career. Right. And, what yeah. Do it's, I mean, I remember I, I was at the the first preseason game in Anaheim, and I'm thinking like this is just going to be like a typical preseason game. Guys going to be playing pickup hockey out there. No real hitting, dude. The first shift, Aiden Hodgson is number 57 is on the ice, just barrels into the corner. Doesn't hit the guy, but you just see his body just almost like face plant against the board. I'm like, dude, who is this guy? And he was just trying to take runs at people all night. Like, more I don't know, maybe borderline clean hits, dirty hits. Like, what it is, what it is. But I mean, I like that kind of stuff. Like, we, as a Kings fan, we haven't seen a type of player like that since maybe prime Dustin Brown, right? Yeah. So, We've been waiting for this, like we were hoping like Todd McEwen would do that or Zach McEwen. We would hoping that uh, Brendan Lemieux would do something like that. And it just really never happened. 
And all of a sudden, you have this guy, Hayden Hodgson, that I feel like Kings fans wanted to buy like 57 jerseys now, like with how exciting this, this player is. But I don't know. It's going to, it's, I'm, I'm totally with you, Joe. Like the whole thing, I was totally fine with. Maybe I was like, okay, Stone, like lay off a of Brent Clark a little bit. But right, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the whole, like you're grabbing him, like you're screaming in his face, like, okay, chill, dude. But buddy. he's, he obviously at that point, he's seeing red. So yeah, he's, he's, he's seeing red. He's just like, dude, I need to just. Yeah, I get that. And, and Brent Clark's like, I'm just here to shoot and score. Like, I don't know what you want to fight me for. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I, I want Brent Clark to experience stuff like that because they absolutely know they're not going to give him cut him any slack. He's going to be he's going to get players that. like that. Evander Kane's not going to be cutting any slack. I mean, he's going to be facing these type of players. So this is he, where he's I to it. my car. He's you know? especially. I mean, you think about with Clark too, especially for a player. It's almost like that Zegers kind of mentality where you have a player who's going to be doing all this like fancy stuff on the ice. He's going to put a target on his back. So he's yeah. going to have to learn to kind of stick up for himself a little bit. For sure. For sure. And, and while we're on Clark, man, just it, it, you saw in the first period kind of like the 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 pro and the con of, of what he can be. As soon as the puck dropped, he he's off the blue line right up into the circle at center ice to, to interrupt the pass. Play comes back around again. He's almost as if he's a he's like a box to box midfielder. He's playing. He doesn't really have a position like a number eight in soccer where he's just or, or the star all the star over the in, in college football, right? Like where they're like linebacker, corner, safety, yeah, hybrid, yeah. Like, yeah. And uh, it was awesome, like jumping up into the play, make, you know, causing for, forcing turnovers, like in the, at the blue line, making good steps. Like it was awesome. Then. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Joe. Sorry, sorry. I was gonna say then, then the, what led to I think it was the first goal Vegas scored. There was a rush coming into the zone. He obviously jumped right up into the play, and then I think there was a pass that came to him, and um, and, and it like he kind of bobbled it, lost it, and went back the other way. He did kind of get back, and actually, I kind of think it was there was no forward to come grab the high guy on the goal. And Vegas scores, but that's a little bit of what you see. Where rather than your your prototypical, just boring defenseman staying on the blue line, he's involved in the play, and that's what happens to kind of odd man rush the other way. But for that game, by the way, for that, he just kind of reminds played. me of a corner who like baits a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, he's gonna he's not gonna play lockdown. He's just baiting somebody. He's gonna he's he's shooting for the interception. He's trying to get in the play to break it the other way and he might miss out where it's a it's a goal going the other way it looks like we have another goal here chromiak getting on the board here thanks noah thanks kyle garcia it looks like the kings are back up on the board there so the second goal there. so clark clark had 19 just over 19 minutes of ice time at five on five in that vegas game he led all all kings players 25 shot attempts for 15 against so over 62 percent um in in uh in Corsi and uh, his expected goals were very good too if i'm not mistaken 67 percent. so like he and and, and I th- the center he was matched up against the most with is only i think five or so minutes so he was kind of spread out throughout the lineup but he played against jack eichel for for a good chunk of the game and was would played him even so Again, you mentioned Spence. There's a lot to like. That's not going to be an easy decision for uh, um, for the Kings to make because both Spence and Clark look good really early here in camp, and I don't think that's a surprise. Just play them both. Can we like? Can we stop beating around the bush? Why aren't we playing our two best defensive 
players, not even prospects, the two best offensive talent that we have to play the two best prospects. I thought we were saving the hot takes for later. Are you saying two better than Drew Doughty? I like it. I'm watching this game, and I'm seeing Jordan Spence do whatever he wants in the eyes. (laughs) And I think we should both. We should both, and I think it's important to know we'd be remiss to not say, okay, let's – we do got to – be aware it's preseason. Yeah. Pump some brakes here and there. I get that, but none I don't of want to this, pump some brakes, Joe. I'm none of this is brakes. that's fine because you know what? None of this is new, and none of but, this is surprising from either of these two players. This is what we expected. So it, it's like, like you, can you imagine how frustrated Detroit Lions fans are right now? You draft Jameer Gibbs twelfth overall, and you don't even use him, but five times a game. Like, like what are we doing here? Like, you have two of the best offensive. Defenseman or offensive players, period, on your team. Oh, Fagimo just scored. On your team, and you're not even using him. Like, I think if either of these guys don't make the roster or are sitting to start the season, it would be a travesty. And it's going to happen. So get prepared for it. Um, I mean, again, I was upset upset last year. I'll be upset again. I want to see, I, I at least want to see a Clark Spence pairing. Please. Humor me, <laughs> humor me. Give me a Probably period. Not, uh, this this top One line period. of of Fagimo, Turcotte, and Lafera, they're they're buzzing right now. I, I've seen Turcotte in the chat. I'm seeing Fagimo. Uh, is, was it so, Fagimo? As, as it was the, Fagimo. It, it was kind of a redirect. He was throwing it towards the front of the net. Went off the defender, I believe. Um, Turcotte was right there, but it went off the defender and in. So mm-hmm. I think Fagimo got that one. But yeah, yeah. I mean then. And and one, one so back to the game, the Vegas game, to wrap up at one last point. Like, listen, Akil Thomas. I mean, he's somebody that we've been pretty high on. I mean, really excited about over the last few years. It's just not unlike Turcotte. It's, it's t- he just hasn't been able to stay on the ice. But, boy, Randon, we watched him thoroughly with the rain a couple of years ago. I mean, he's, he's oh, a yeah. player. So good, oh, can yeah. play can play the middle, can play the right side. And those goals he scored, none again, that's that's Akil. He's such a smart player. He's a cerebral player. That's why he's so good in the bumper position. He scored a couple of those goals from that slot area. He knows where to be. He reads the play well. He's a threat. And like that's the type of player you have. Like not a hat trick every game, obviously, but you have a smart player who can find find lanes he can finish he can shoot it's like this is a really really talented kid and a really good player that if he can stay healthy he could be as good as all any of these guys we're talking about i mean I just, look at the I, way look at all of his goals that the way he scored all of his goals one was a great shot mm-hmm. right by the circle and then the other two were just kind of five scrums in the middle he got a lucky bounce maybe a third one but this is a player that just he just doesn't he's not a one-dimensional player. He does no. does it all really, right? And plays all positions too. So this it's another player like kind of like like you mentioned, he's kind of been snake bit a little bit with these injuries, but when he's been on the ice, he's been really productive. So this is it's almost like I feel like we're in this like bridge of a season, which is strange to say because we're all expecting we all have high expectations for the season, but there's like this bridge where you have players like Trevor Lewis, Andreas Englund. I mean, I even maybe will put Blake Lazat in that mix too because he's got one year deal left, Matt Roy. And then you have all these young, talented players like Brant Clark, Jordan Spence, Turcotte, Laferriere, Kiel Thomas that are just 
on the cusp. And I'm sure we'll see plenty of these type of players with injuries that happen probably. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's exciting to see these type of players kind of, I guess, build a little bit more momentum as the season goes on. And hopefully they carry that into the rain season too. They're going to need to, cause it's next year. I mean, you're going to, they're going to have to make decisions on Victor Arvidsson. They're going to have to make decisions on yeah, a, a, and a couple guys. Some people are going to have to, to move up and, and, and they're going to have to show out. I mean, injuries, having everybody play 82 games is not going to happen. So injuries are going right. to happen. You're going to have to show out when you get there. Figuimo answered the bell last year, and obviously he didn't get a run later on. He didn't get a chance to stay up. But every game he played, he scored a goal, I believe. It seemed like, right? I just He was always there. He was always in the hunt. Um, and so it's just going to be that type of season where these players are going to have to make a name for themselves, and maybe one will make such a name for themselves that they won't get sent down. But it, it's just going to be something where we're going to have to look out this year. And it's not always fair. It's not fair to have a player, hey, come up, play five games, get a cup of coffee, and we're expecting five, six points out of you. But some of these prospects are going to have to do that. They're going to have sure. to put that kind of stamp on their arrival to to force the Kings not to do what they did this year and bring Trevor Lewis in or force the Kings not to re-sign Victor Arvidsson because that's a second-line spot available. Right now, there's already one spot available. Right now, Kaliev's penciled in there uh, in, in soft lead, let alone full pen. So – I mean, there's a spot there, there's a spot there. And, you know, the Kings have been very conservative with how they've gone with the the waiver exempt. But I always say if you're a prospect and you can kick open the door and make them have to not – there's no decision and you're on the team, that's the best way to to make a roster. Like force their hand to keeping you up there. I mean, you look at the way Velarde played in his last 10 games when he finally got the opportunity. That was the reason they gave him the second C spot. Is how he played. When now that that ended up good for him, no, but it he got the opportunity coming into camp to 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 have that to have that opportunity and and you're gonna look at it. I mean, hey, you get a, you get a five games in the middle of the season, you do really well, and there's an injury right before playoffs. That's your chance to get pulled up. That's your chance to to make a stamp on on your name and your legacy and to get some more game checks. And I think a lot of these prospects need to realize that. Uh, that, that this is their chance and they it's hey the pressure's there man I've, I've played some sports in lower levels and your heart's racing let alone hey this is my chance to achieve my dream and 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 make a permanent name on on the king's roster i can't imagine what that kind of pressure is like and, and just you know you mentioned waiver exempt just for refreshers you know jared anderson dolan would have to clear waivers um Sam Figimo is going to have to clear waivers. Akil Thomas is going to have to clear waivers, where obviously Turcotte, Leferrier, Pinelli, Chromiak, these guys can be just sent down, no questions asked. And it's like – Totally forgot you know, about Akil. Yeah. Waivers. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I feel like um, if, if I'm trying to play the game a little bit or try to predict or whatever, and again, I know we overrate, you know, who can – if anybody's going to get picked up or anything like that. And especially when you're talking about about a guy like Akil Thomas with the injury history that he's got, would somebody put a claim in on him? Um, it just seems like the, I hate to say it this way, but like if, if Akil Thomas continues to perform to your point, Russ, if LaFerriere, LaFerriere or Turcotte for that matter, or for Nemo, just have camps that you cannot ignore you know, it's hard to see Anderson Dolan not being the odd man out and, and him being sent down to to Ontario. I, I would I would suspect that he clears, but 
Um, again, it just goes back to it's it's frustrating because I think the odd man out should probably be Lewis, but it's just not going to be. Yeah. What if they cut him? Are they just still owe him money, or how does that work? Like, what was his signing bonus? Is it who's that? No, he means still Lewis. be. I think he'd still be on the cap because he's thirty-five plus. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong there, but they're not going to. <laughs> he's, he's staying. <laughs> he's not signing with this team to go play with the Ontario Reign. He's going to be on the Kings roster. So, like, like to Joe's point, it's it's that last spot on the fourth line, and then we're kind of looking at Kaliev's spot, and then whoever wins that. The third pair really both. I, I can see both of those sides really being available. But I mean, like, like if you think about, it, like, imagine being like Jordan Spence. Like, I just put up back to back forty plus seasons on the Ontario Reign as a defenseman, yeah. and you're saying I have to compete for a starting job with Brant Clark, who's coming into his real first pro season. I mean, what else more does I, I understand? We we fully expect Brant Clark to be a a great player, but well, like, he's he's what? hockey incarnate there, Russ. So, <laughs> well, I know. mean, but like, what else is like Jordan Spence? Like, am yeah. I going to lose? Like, he's he's thinking like I'm going to lose a roster spot because you signed Andreas Anglin to a two year deal at one million per. Like, what's going on here? Like, Matt Roy, just just flip him to the left side. He can do it. Or even Jordan Spence, flip him to the left side. Because the the thing I was going to say too, and what I was when you talk about Brant Clark in the Vegas game, there there was. A couple, there's a couple times there where he got beat pretty sure. cleanly. And, yes. But that's going to happen with that type of player, yes. right? Totally yes. going to be expected. So I just – I would like to see him paired with I, – I, like I wish Matt Roy played left because it would just be so easy. Like those two feels like a match made in heaven. If you can have a responsible, steady player playing with a Brant Clark, man, that would, that would be work wonders in terms of offensive production. You can let – Brent Clark do whatever he wants, and you have Matt Roy kind of helping out a little bit. So, but I mean, the Kings have to figure out a way to get Jordan Spence and Brent Clark on the ice together. I still and, think Clark can play the left. I still want to see Clark try the left. And it's because of the one-three-one, right? That's in part of the run-through. But the other part of it is, is let him be him. Let him be that that kind of rover-ish position to where. He, you know, Matt Roy, to your point, if, say, they moved Roy or if it's Spence, even if it is Spence, then Spence can can play his normal side. Because Spence, you know, I don't think – Spence is a really skilled, good skating, offensive-minded defenseman. But he's not a, like, a rover, like the way I yeah. view Brant Clark. So, I don't know. I, I – I, I agree with a lot of what you said there, and, and and I'm with you on Spence. Like, what more does he have to show? He's proven it at the pro level back to back years. I don't know what is next for him. How could you not have him on this team for what he's done? It, it, again, at the professional level, for all of Clark's, for everything. He's, if it is between those two, right, um, and maybe one is going to get sent down, you can understand it being um, Clark just because. For all that he's done, and it's it's wildly impressive. It has been at the junior level, you know, by and large. So, you, you know, it wouldn't kill him to have, you know, 20, 30, half a season's worth of games at the minimum in Ontario. Again, that's not my preference, but I can understand the logic. Yeah. I, 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 could you imagine both uh, Fiala and Brant Clark on the ice at the same time? The gambit, that's what that would be. Real, real quick, though, actually, I just 
lot of talk about the Dersey turnovers back in, in Australia. Did we totally miss the Jordan Spence blatant turnovers? I think it was in the first period. So it's like, let's not forget here. Jordan Spence is going to make these same mistakes that Sean Dersey made at times. Get used to it. So for all the hate that was thrown Dersey's way, you're going to see very similar mistakes from Jordan Spence. You gotta, you have to be comfortable living with the what they bring to the table on the other end of the ice. Like you mentioned, Russ Brant Clark had some moments where he looked a little, you know, got beat a couple times. This and this, sixty-two percent possession for Brant Clark. You take the good with the bad. Like that's your, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to maximize when you're on the ice and. And yeah, there's going to be times where Clark may get beat or or Spence may get beat or whatever, but there's going to be more times where they're impacting the play offensively. Or Englund, you know, maybe he doesn't get beat as much unless Logan Cooley's doing a spinorama on him, but he's got nothing to give really at the rest of the other end of the ice. So it's just, you know, you, you have to you have to be able to play a little bit more with the puck rather than just always defend, defend, defend. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, we've talked about this a couple times before. This is the Kings are almost transitioning to a totally different style of hockey with just based off of the players that are coming in, right? And potentially, I'm wondering, potentially, you, yeah, you've mentioned that they they're, might have to just transition to that different play style because is McClellan the coach games, for that? They're not. I mean, they're not going to be winning majority of games three two anymore. They're going to be winning a lot of their games five four five three, especially with. People like not looking at their goaltending being as good as many anticipate. So it's it's, but it's fine. <laughs> this is this is exciting hockey that we're getting in in Los Angeles now that we haven't seen in a long time. And and if players can live up to the potential that we expect them to, then should win a lot of games because of it. Can T Mac adapt to that play style? And is he the coach of the future? If that, I mean, I I I really think he can. Like I think McClellan's he's coach Connor McDavid. Right. Well, and he coached, he didn't win with them, but he's he's kind of used to that talent. And we're, those Sharks teams were some of the more offensive type of teams back in the day, too, right? I mean, again, yeah, they they didn't end up winning a cup, but they were one of the better teams in the league for a few years running there. For a while, they were one of the best teams in the league. I feel like he can do it, and and, and we've talked about the style that he coaches with now. And not that I was a student of Todd McClellan under under San Jose or, or Edmonton, so maybe you know maybe it was similar to, to what we're seeing in LA, but I feel like he's, he, he plays the system he's got because it's the type of players he's got. But as you add in Kevin Fiala, Jordan Spence, Brant Clark, you know, potentially some of these other younger guys in the next year or so, maybe that, maybe that shifts, but we'll see. Cause right now, even with the rush, you still have the likes of, you know, Anderson and Gavrikov and Roy, who are definitely much more, you know, defensive defensemen, right? So they fit the way the Kings play currently to a T. What's always shifting is the odds for the football games. And that's where we get to here with our sponsor here at DraftKings. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in the NFL action with great offers. Every single game day, new customers can bet just $5. Five bucks, guys, get out your wallet, put a link in on the table and get $250 in instant bonus bets. Throw down a $5 on any week, ep, any week's epic matchups and just walk away an instant winner. 
DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two. That's right, two new offers every game day in September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Code THPN. The crown is yours. So we're getting into some bold predictions here um, on, on, the, on the season. Uh, our esteemed colleague here in Russell, I put out an article, put out a tweet there and got you guys' uh, your guys' input here on the bold predictions. Uh, a lot of them were about goals. A lot of them were about, uh, you know, where this player, this player would end up in points. Um, you know, so go ahead and read that article at hockeyroyalty.com. I'll just throw out a couple there. Uh, Russ was, uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'll let you talk to yours, but you have, you have guys here talking about Kempe is going to set a career high, uh, Musgrave social. You're going to say Jordan Spence will get an ample time on ice and at least get 30 to 40 points. Uh, we have LA Kings, Nick Fiala is going to be the first King in exactly 30 seasons to break the 100-point mark. Lion tamer Alex LaFerriere will start the season on the second line, forcing the Kings to send Fagimo and Jack to the AHL and risk Ravers to creating the rotation of Grundstrom, Kaliev, and Lewis on the fourth-line winger slots. So a lot of position base, a lot of sliding in here and there. What was your prediction there, Russ, since it was your article, I'll let you go first. Where are you seeing the boldness in the season? So my bold prediction is that the Kings set a franchise record for points in a season. Uh, their their record is 105. I forget the year offhand. Uh, they they made it to 104 last year, and that they win the Pacific Division because of it. And the reason I kind of say it, like for me, like this is almost an expectation. Like I don't even view this as a bold prediction. And and the reason I feel this way is if you look at this team. Like, like, think about last year. For, like, the first, like, three months of the season, this team had the worst goaltending in the NHL. It's, and it wasn't even close. And yet they were still kind of winning games. And then once you had Phoenix Copley kind of come in, and then Jonas Corposalo after that, after the trade deadline, this team was on fire in March. They set, I think, a point streak record and a franchise point streak record. They were lights out. And then you added Gavrikov to kind of round out the top four. And now you have a really solid top four with Anderson, Doughty, Gavrikov, Roy. And not to mention what you add in terms of whether it be Jordan Spence or Brent Clark on the third pair. I mean, you you just kind of look at it. Like if, if you get all those pieces together for a full season and you just have average goaltending, whether it be Cam Talbot or Phoenix Copley, just go average. It doesn't It doesn't need to be great. Don't be what it was at the beginning of the year last year. This team should win a lot of games. And I, I kind of view the Pacific Division as really top-heavy this year. I think there's that those three really good teams with the Kings, the Oilers, and the Golden Knights. I think the Kraken are right there, too, kind of on the borderline. But then I, I'm not high on the Ducks. I know you guys maybe a little higher on them. Not high on the Ducks. The Canucks just never figure it out. The Flames... I'm still not there with them. And then obviously the Sharks are kind of still in a rebuild. So I I, I think the, the Pacific Division is there for the taking for the Kings. And if they can just stay healthy and get that average goaltending, should be a lot of uh, points and a lot of wins for this team this year. I, I, I'll, I'll disagree a little bit on the Pacific Division. I do think the division's there. They're very capable of winning the division. I think it could be an absolute war. 
I generally agree with your top three there and, and any one of those top three teams. But I, I think the rest of the division, with the exception of San Jose, is is competitive. The Ducks, listen, I don't think the Ducks are necessarily good, but I can see the Ducks have like a 20-point improvement on last season. That still only gets them to what? 80 so it's not a great team but i think it's just a more competitive team seattle's going to be a tough out you see the way they play they're deep yeah. they come in waves that's just going to be a tough team i'm with you on the canucks i don't know what's going i still don't know what's going on there i'm not in on the canucks then again if you have a healthy thatcher demko that could get dicey flames are back baby so they're coming again i'm back in on them so <laughs> they're going to be a tough how be... much money you're going to lose on the <laughs> <laughs> So I do think the division is 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 tougher than I, I do think the division is pretty tough with the exception of San Jose. Or if if tough isn't the word, then competitive is the word. Like there's going to be a lot of competitive games, like you know, uh, with with most of the teams in this division. I mean, you kind of look at the Central Division, too, just kind of round out the Western Conference. Central doesn't look as strong as it has been in the past. I think mm -hmm. you have the Stars, you have the Avalanche. And I, for, for me, that's kind of it, right? I don't know. I'm not not sold on the Jets. No, The Blues kind of feel like they're transitioning a little yeah. bit. The Wild, I don't know what's going on with the Minnesota Wild. I feel like they become sellers toward the deadline. The Coyotes we've talked about. The Blackhawks obviously are going to be fun to watch because of Bedard, yeah. but they're still not there. Then the Predators, no one really knows what the Predators are. So, I mean, the Central Division is kind of unknown, I guess. And even, I mean, I, I mentioned the Avalanche, but even then, like, you're not going to have a full year without yeah. Landis Cog. They dealt with a ton of injuries last year. So, the Western Conference feels like it's really top-heavy with those three Pacific Division teams that we talked about with the Kings with uh, and the Golden Knights and the Oilers. So, I mean, besides, if, if they can just stay like just stay healthy in terms of the Kings, get the average goaltending, I think they win a lot of games. Yeah, I, I, I it's like the exact opposite of what we said 12 months ago, uh, where the, the central <laughs> exactly. division was like the dominant. And in, and as the season went along, it was still kind of that way. But then it's like come playoff time, it's like, holy crap, Vegas and Edmonton are good, <laughs> you know? And then yeah. so it's it's it really is kind of. I mean, the Jets up. were first in the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. Go like I think in February. Yeah, and and, and I, think, I think the Jets could. I think the Jets could finish third in that division. I know a lot of people are yeah. writing them off, but I. I think the Predators. Too. I think a lot of people are writing off the Predators. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You I'm have you, Soros. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm I'm writing off everybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think like if I were to write out my playoff teams, I've got five Pacific Division teams making it in the West. There you go. There you five go. Pacific. Okay. I can mm -hmm. see that. Yeah. Two wild the two wild cards come from the Pacific. Kraken and Flames. Yep. That's where I'm at today. I mean, yeah. I haven't actually written that down. If I'm just guessing as we're doing this exercise that you've just rattled off those central teams and like quick in my head, that's that's where I'm at. Yep. I agree with that. We feel wavy. I like it. I know a little ocean in the background. I'm just trying out some, I'm trying out some things live here for, for the boys. Um <laughs> I'll, I'll get into my prediction and I, I was thinking about this and trying to think outside the box. And I, I really think that the Kings might have the best center core in the NHL uh, top to bottom. Um, I think that the centers for the Los Angeles Kings are going to score over 250 points as a group this, this season. So 
I I did what kind of basic thoughts at like 75 for Kopitar, 63, kind of what the averages have been for all the players, and then bumped it. So I'm thinking over 250, which would be, you know, 85 or so, 75 for Pierre-Luc Dubois, about 60 for um, for Deneau, and that 40 mark for for uh, for Lazad. I think that the center group can be tremendous for – uh, for this team, and I, that's kind of where my bold prediction is: the team is going to is going to be carried by the spine of this organization, and um, going to be able to put up some real numbers there. Yeah, I mean, I, I like um, I like that. I think in that two fifty might just get them might just get them tied with McDavid and Drysaddle at the top of Edmonton just for, for no. Well, team. that's that's right. Yeah. But well, they but, play on the same line all the time. So. That's true, but th- yeah, he moves in the depth. The depth. Um... Hayden Hodgson just scored. Of course, he did. <laughs> the MVP of the preseason. Hold <laughs> the ninety-two comes in. Said, "Who's Edmonton's third center?" Because that's <laughs> they don't need anybody else. Noah coming in there. You got Hodgson coming in there. Ryan McLeod, I think, is 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 not somebody to totally just brush aside. He's he's he's. He's fine, and let's not forget, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Hopkins is still there. Like if you're going a, a one, if depending on how they shake out, yeah. But I mean, Hopkins isn't playing three C; he's playing. On the but I mean, they they at times depends how they shake it up. Sometimes you can go down the middle with 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 McDavid, Drysaddle, Hopkins, and McLeod, and that's that's awesome. So I don't know, but but your to your point though, Randon, and I don't know if maybe we're being biased, but I, I'm with you, like top to bottom. This is as good of center core as there there is in the league. Although it's funny if you watch the Vegas broadcast, they talked about the center depth in the division. Um, yeah. Among those uh, top among those top three teams, um, and is it Lawless? Is that his name? I'm sorry if I'm, I'm the, the color. Think, yeah, Gary Gary Lawless. I Gary think Lawless. it is. Um, and he said Vegas was hands down the best. And you know it's a Vegas broadcast and. I, I, okay. Like you start off with Eichel and Stevenson and Carlson. Like that's, that's good. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sneeze at that's for sure. So I think all that to say, like, yeah, the, the Kings are 275. Are you trying to push I, my buttons here? No, no, no. I, mean, <laughs> I think, I think you're good. I think it's a good thought though, because I think that's, that's, it's going to have to be. I think it's because there's a lot of unknown with Dubois is, is why they're kind of, Riding, I don't want to say riding off, but they're downplaying the core, the center core yeah. of the Kings a little bit. But I mean, I agree with you, Randon. Like this, this is, could easily be the best center core in the league if if Dubois can live up to expectations and take that next step in terms of playing in a destination he wants to be in. And you get a full season of him playing with Kevin Fiala if those two can kind of mesh together. Obviously, we saw what Kopitar, Byfield, and Kempe did together in their short time frame. So now you have a full season with them. Um, let's say to know more and Arvison stay healthy. I mean, we all know what the nice line could do yep. together. So, I mean, if you get continuity with those three lines, easily could be the best center depth, in, in, not even in the in the division, but in the conference or the NHL. It's in so, the conversation. I think, but a lot of it, I think, is predicated on what Dubois can do in his first year with the Kings. Do you think that they're defensively the best center group in the Pacific, Joe? Since we're talking about that, what I would say is they're probably the hardest center group to play against, um, and that could be because for a multitude of reasons, offensively and defensively, and just 
with the exception of Lazat, their size, they're strong, they're hard to play against. Um, and I think that's what makes them so so good is, is, is I mean, Kopitar is so good at both ends of the ice. Guy's going to be a Hall of Famer, so that's a little bit different. But Deneau, it just, he does, he's got a motor. He's such a smart player, the way he reads plays. And then Dubois is just this physical, imposing centerman who I do think is, is good enough, at least defensively. And you see what he can do offensively in the offensive zone. So, yeah, I just, and, and Lazat is just a pest. Um, who doesn't stop, and he's a very, very good fourth-line center, arguably one of the best fourth-line centers in the game. So I just think they're they're difficult to play against. They're a matchup nightmare. Yeah. That's, that's what they are. I yep. mean, McClellan just has his pick. I mean, he, he doesn't have to deploy Dubois against the other team's top talent. He can save them for the offensive zone draws and put out mm-hmm. Dubois and Fiala. For sure. And all of a sudden, yeah. if you get a D-zone draw and you have whether it be Philip Deneau or Andre Kobitar, I mean, man, yeah, yeah. Is, that's, that's why I'm, I'm with you, Randon. Like, easily could be the best center, center of course, because each of them do kind of do something, kind of bring a different element. I mean, to the game, it I almost agree. feels like. And so, yeah. Uh, let's get into the, the fans here. Uh, Kings Rule comes in saying, "I think Talbot's going to have a monster year. Nine fifteen to nine twenty save percentage." Uh, that would that would uh, make Joe grow hair and then lose it again uh, if that if that happened. What are you guys thinking on the goalie situation? Everybody's down on us, um, you know. In uh, media, obviously, we've already said it. We don't expect a lot from this group. Is Talbot the most likely player to have like a just a, a year that carries this team, or are we going to see spurts from everybody? Is there a player that you would you would stick your hat on to have that kind of season? Uh, I I'm taking the under on those numbers. By the way, uh, if there's a sports book that will that will let me, um, I think the optimistic view here is if there's a goalie that can be that, you know, right now it'll probably be a share of of probably pretty close to 50 50 there's somebody that can take the lion's share of that i do think it is talbot i think he's a better goalie um there's a lot of question marks age health recent performance hasn't really been that good so where is he in his career does he have that kind of one more year left in him to to kind of perform we'll see i so i'm gonna say it's talbot but um you know there's there's reasons for concern there I mean, I just imagine like, like imagine being one of these goaltenders, and everybody's writing you off. Everybody's saying like, I'm sure they hear it, like, oh, the Kings are going to be good, but who knows about their goaltending? Like, I feel like that was, like, if you're Phoenix Copley or Cam Talbot, you just have to hear that and say, okay, my expectations aren't that high. I'm just going to go out there and play my game. And and we we heard from Talbot when his, his uh, introductory press conference when he talks about how the Kings system. Kind of makes it easier for the goaltenders mm-hmm. a little bit, and we we saw it a little bit with Copley, where he wasn't really asked to do much, and when he just came in, he looked so good because he was making saves that probably should have been made. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I, that's why I'm like I'm not as worried about the goaltending as everyone everyone else is. They're like we're expecting like we're not, nobody's expecting them to be Andre Vasilevsky or. or like win like 40 games and have like a 920 mm-hmm. save percentage. Nobody expects that. We just want them to be average. And the Kings have a better team in front of them to, to do that. 
So speaking uh, of the big cats getting back surgery. Yes. So I was going to ask you guys, so this brings up kind of an interesting thing and we, we didn't really mention like David Riddich is involved too. If David Riddich goes on waivers and I'm the lightning, like that's a player I'm probably looking at. Like, I feel like that could probably scare uh, Rob Blake a little bit. I mean, what, what, what would your guys thought on that? I don't know the goalie situations across the league. Um, I mean, the goalie situation in Tampa right now is not great. Not great. Right. I think, yeah. Like, I think that that's, that's a, that's a possibility um, because he's cheap. And I think for, yeah. you know, it's not like, you know, Vasilevsky, he'll be back. What is it? Eight to 10 weeks. They said something like that. So, you know, they need somebody that's cheap. Um, to be a stopgap. And so, yeah, I mean, Riddich could fit that bill. But, again, I don't know the rest of the – The only what? other player with a number on their media guide is Hugo Hollenfeld. <laughs> like he's the only person with a number. Like the other two guys on the on the list are are n- not even there. So, like, I, yeah. Was that? I mean, Brian Elliott was their backup last year. Is he... So they have oh, Jonas yeah. oh, no. Hansen and Matt Tompkins, which are both – Oh, Jonas – yeah, yeah. So, I mean, ninety-four, ninety-five birthdays. Those look like minor league players to me. So. Jonas Johansson is not a good goalie. So, I mean, that was my immediate thought when I saw the Vasilevsky news. Was they could be a team that could put in a claim for Riddich, and that could probably hurt the Kings a little bit because then their their goaltending depth probably takes a hit. Because I feel like Riddich is like that safety valve almost. Mm-hmm. If Copley or Talbot doesn't work, you oh, have yeah. a you have a goaltender who's been to an all-star game before who's experienced in Riddich that can kind of help out and be that, I guess, Phoenix Copley again. So I don't know. I, I mean, that would scare me a little bit. If, yeah. If, like Derek Portillo or J- J- uh, Barube is like our, our third goalie. There's talk, you know, that maybe they make a trade or whatever, but I don't, I don't, I don't see Tampa doing something like that because it's not a season-long injury. I don't think they have to yeah. do that. I just think they need somebody to kind of put the Band-Aid on it. So I think that's a good call, Rush. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, gonna, to watch for. they're, gonna, they're sitting up the injury now. They're going to put them on long-term IR until the playoffs, and then that's we'll, <laughs> they'll bring them out. That's the – that's the What? The no, Tampa Bay doesn't do that. Come on. They Come on. Not. You know what's kind of crazy is that he talked about it a little bit, and he said last year he wasn't feeling like himself, and he feels like he's been overused uh, in the net, and and where previous years he's been able to kind of just grit it out and do that, and last year his body failed him uh, in more ways than one, and talking about how some games he loses like six to eight pounds, and then you play back-to-backs, and you ride in me, you know, 60-something games a year, and... You know, like, and I and I know a lot of fans are gonna be like, well, you know, back in the old days, you'd have one goalie play 82 games, and it's like, well, this, yeah. is, a, this is a different sport. You know, the 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 amount of offense and the amount of shots that you're seeing, and and all that kind of stuff like that. I think it's just way different, and it's gonna be interesting. And we talked about it a little bit how we think that the teams are gonna more go towards the 50-50 split. I I, I think that it, looking at a player like like Big Cat here, Vasilevsky, I mean. I think he's the best goalie in the league and having been ridden in that, in that way to where the team just threw him into the ground. Now, granted, he's, he's got to love that the fact they got cups, like most fan bases would love that they got a lot of cups. So, I mean, I'm sure he's not regretting how much he played, but now he's like, man, I'm having back surgery and I'm going to come back. And 
he's definitely going to be relied upon to carry this uh, this elder statesman team to another cup. So what does that look like? I mean, eight to ten weeks to probably be healthy enough to play, but you're probably looking at another month to where he feels confident in net. Like you're really looking at maybe January before you're seeing a real real player there. That's a huge that's a huge ask for him, and that's what makes uh, Russ's statement more impactful are they going to go and get a goalie uh via trade that they trust are they going to patch it together and hopefully sneak in but we've talked about that's a very competitive division are they going to be behind too much to make a second half push or are they going to be able to outscore teams like the kings did with with mediocre goaltending to to be able to stay afloat it's going to be interesting out out east yeah speaking of speaking of goaltenders that have been talked about in the market. John Gibson actually just left the game. Uh, he's being helped off by the training staff. I don't know if he got hit with a puck without the mask on or get his mask on. So, but I'm not sure what happened there, but that didn't look good. I don't think like he was a little dazed. I don't a little bit. John Gibson's that good of a goalie these days. So I don't know if that's, I think, think he just wanted four goals that game. on 15 shots. Uh, and that was, I thought that before today. <laughs> um, so Randon, I guess, um, Let's get into your bold prediction there. Yeah. So my bold prediction was admittedly pretty bold, but Russ specifically said bold, so I went bold. Yeah. Trevor Moore scores 30 goals. I think I'm all this to say I'm very bullish on Trevor Moore this season. This is a guy that I think when healthy, because he had he missed some time last year, um, he's – instrumental in the offense he is one of the top um shot attempts on the team um each of the last couple years last year he was among the tops um in shot contributions and shot attempts last year per 60 um and i think that the the, like i fully expect 20 goals like i and i know he's never even done that before like i'm expecting him to score 20 goals this year and I think we're, we're, what's going to not allow him to score 30 is he just doesn't get the power play time to to really do that. And the, the biggest question is he is all over the ice in terms of his play driving, and he's all over in terms of, again, like I said, his shot contributions and shot attempts. And he's somebody that if you look at some of the tracking in the all three zones, like he gets high quality scoring chances in part because the line he plays on is just buzzing. But – what he doesn't really – what he has yet to show is he doesn't quite have that elite shot or that elite release. So I think the two things going against him here are that he doesn't have an elite shot, at least that we've seen yet, and two is his lack of power play time. But I guess, you know, again, I maybe I could have split the difference and gone 25, but I think this is a player that we see his a career year from Trevor Moore. Uh, is is really what I'm going after here, and I think because I think he's I think he's a player, and maybe with a little bit more puck luck, I think he had an eight percent shooting percentage last year. You know, if he gets that to double digits, which it's which it's been I think every year prior, at least the prior two or three years, it had been in the double digits. Uh, he even spiked 15 one year with a spike in a shooting percentage one uh, you know one season. This this could be somebody that that pushes 30 goals. Man, I, I asked for bold and. Joe certainly <laughs> delivered. <laughs> no, but I love it. Like you, you think about it, I'm glad you brought up the shooting percentage because that it, it did feel like you watched some of Trevor Moore's game and he was getting snake bit a little bit. 
And you just mentioned he was at 8%. I mean, Adrian Kempe was 16%. Right. And he was shooting a lot more than probably Trevor Moore was. I'd have to look at their individual shot shot attempts. But, um, yeah, man, I totally agree. And you just kind of hear it a little bit, too, from talking with McClellan and hearing from, from some of the team guys um, that Trevor Moore looks like he's fully healthy. And we never really saw him back to 100% toward the end of last year after he came back from concussion. He was even still wearing that tinted uh, visor. But, mm-hmm. man, I mean, if you get a fully healthy Trevor Moore, I mean, look, he scored five shorthanded goals just two years ago. And yeah. man, maybe, maybe give him some of that power play opportunity. I mean, I mean, you look at the second unit, I don't know. Maybe he can, get, maybe he can, he can find a spot there. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, I, I totally agree. If you, if they, I just talked about that nice line, if they can have a full season of chemistry together, I mean, obviously we know the chemistry is still there, but <laughs> I, I would love to see Trevor Moore have that Adrian Kempe type breakout season. Breakout season for Trevor Moore. It's happening. Johnny Van Patna, that boy can score. He lacks power play time. But he has shown two seasons ago he can shorthanded score with the best of them. Uh, maybe that's where he gets his, his luck there. You know, I, I thought he's been the most overpaid guy on the team last year. I was very harsh on him. Uh, I think deservingly so. I think he got paid for one season of play. Um, sometimes it's it, that helps. Like Obviously, Ken Pei got paid after one season. He, he backed it up. I really didn't see uh, Trevor Moore doing that last year. And and obviously the concussion, you know, the, that kind of stuff can linger and where you feel confident you're skating with a new visor, all that kind of stuff. And, um, I mean, if he's not feeling confident, he's not feeling like himself, then he shouldn't be on the ice. So I don't know if that's a more thing or if that's a, a staff thing, but I'm not going to get into the science of, of concussions there. I mean, obviously I would love for him to score 30 goals. I just don't think he's that type of player. I think you could see 20 plus and I, I would be perfectly happy with that, but, Hey, it's not bold for no reason there, Joe. And I, and That's I right. like the I, I like the huevos you put on the table there. That's what I'm talking about. What is his what is his career high in points? Fifty something. It had to be two years ago, right? For, he hasn't hit fifty yet, has he? Yeah. Think he no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. His career high in goals is seventeen, I believe. And he probably had like thirty something assists that year, I want to say. I don't know if you can I was gonna say, like, and I think I said this forty eight. Uh, forty eight. 48. At some point last season, like Trevor Moore, and it may not be consistently for a variety of reasons, but there's going to be a season where he spikes like a 60 point season. And maybe that's this year. I think it's, I think it's in the cards for him. Maybe it's not 30, 30 to your point, Russ. Maybe it's more like a 20, 40, 20, 35 to get that 55, whatever. But I, I, I think there's a player that is, can settle into 50 plus points. Um, a little bit more consistently. It's all, it's also a player that has been asked to do a lot since he's come over to the Kings. I mean, he's just been moved up and down the lineup all almost his whole time with, with the Kings. And I remember McClellan even talked about that two years ago when they said maybe they've been a little too kind of rough on him in terms of changing his spot in the lineup um, every now and then. So, I mean, yeah, give him some consistency, give him some, uh, some power play time. Let's see. They 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 gave him that money for because they expected him a lot out of it. Yeah, I mean, they're not just going to hand out that type of contract to any type of player. I mean, we haven't seen we, we've seen them be um, restrictive in terms of those type of those con- contracts. So I mean, Velarde yeah, I mean, scored similar amount of points and he got he got almost a mil and a half less than what than what Trevor Moore got. Like they yeah, overpaid Velarde, him. 
the so thing like, with Velarde though is like the, we were just talking about shooting shooting percentage. He had like the highest shooting percentage this team has ever seen since like 2007. So, th- like that's what I'm saying. They're, the team they're they're looking at deeper numbers than what we see just in terms of the absolute like goal yep. total or assist numbers. There's there's more to that. And Joe brings up the shot contributions. You you track those numbers and you see Trevor Moore at the top of those those yep. uh, statistics all the time. Yep. So third on the team in shot contributions per 60 last year. Third on the team. Fiala, Arvidsson, Trevor Moore. There you go. And you have I will uh, not stand for logic. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You have you have Arvidsson and Moore on the same lineup. And then Deno had maybe a little bit of a down year last year in terms of Mm -hmm. offensively. And now that you have a Pierre Luc Dubois to help him out, I mean that that's why I'm saying that like that's why this Pierre Luc Dubois move is just so underrated in terms of not only what he's going to bring individually, but it just rounds out the lineup so much. If you think about it, like Rasmus Kupari was this team's third line center for most of the season last year and yeah. was not probably shouldn't be a, a center at all in the NHL. I think he should be a winger. You're right. And now that you have a legit number one slash number two center in Dubois where you can move to down and the rest of that line down to get better matchups against their opponent. That should open up whole new lanes of opportunity for all players on the Kings in the forward lineup. I just think that I think that McClellan was too afraid to go away from the nice line because of one year of success. And last year, it didn't really work for me in the same way it did the year before. Like they never really had consistent, you know, contribution from that from that line multiple games in a row. It didn't seem like they gelled. It just seemed like they were good enough to contribute here and there. Like it really didn't seem to gel as much as the year before the year prior. And I, I think that it was like, here, here, let's pay Trevor more for, for what he does. But like, isn't, wasn't I a follow like chased out of LA because he was not great at anything. And he was okay at a lot of things and he got paid four plus million. And then two years down the road, the Kings are in cap trouble and they got rid of him to sign PLD. So is this going to be a Trevor Moore thing where, a couple of years down the line, like this player is making, you know, mid fours and he's not really a first line player. He's not a high end second line player. He's a middle six guy that can't really contribute in any real way other than he's good at a lot of things. And is he going to create too much uh, blockage and cap flow in order for the Kings to be able to move forward with this team? As in, we talked about already so many players already on wave uh, that are waiver not in waiver exempt or that could be uh, uh, exhibited to waivers who are second round picks who are supposed to be futures of this team. There's going to be guys that go forward, i.e. Byfield that are going to need money. Uh, you look at LaFerriere, if he keeps contributing, he's going to need money. Like where is, where does the buck stop? And we're going to pay for one guy for a 48 point season. And he's never done that before. Like it's just an outlier. And we're going to pay this guy for not only the, the money, but the term, for for I would say just an just like an all around type player. For me, it didn't make any sense. I thought it was a vast overpay. I like the player. I just think that the Kings really just threw too much money at a situation because of one season on a line where I believe he got carried. In my opinion, I, I just go back to like I think that line was asked to do a lot more last year. That's a line that was McClellan's crutch in terms of like, hey, if I need a line to shut down an opponent. Not they weren't looked at to score last year, even the like even the year before that with Deneau. That like Deneau hasn't ever been looked at to score with this team. He's been looked at as a shutdown centerman, and that's kind of what he's always been viewed as as, as a king, but or as a, even in his in, in his NHL career. But now 
that's what I'm saying. Like you get Dubois, you give him an opportunity now where he can match up lines and give him better chances to score. So that's that's why I see I I, I can see Trevor Moore. So, so he's not a player on being... his own. He needs somebody else to make him a better player. No, he's not carrying. He's not. You're saying the only reason he's going to be effective more offensively is because POD is in there and he's going to get thrust down into the third, the third line to where he'll get better matchups. But if you're a true offensive talent worthy of that money, you shouldn't matter who you're playing against. You should be carrying the line and facilitating on your own. I just don't think Trevor Moore does that. I can make an argument that four million dollars isn't. You're not paying four million dollars to top offensive talent. I know that's not a little amount of money. You're small, small chunk of change. health hefty contract but you're not i mean i don't know i just i don't view third line I'm, I'm not i'm not saying that it's not an overpayment like I, like i remember when the contract came in i thought it was higher than what i would have expected or i would have wanted but it's it's just the expectations i guess are a little bit higher now for trevor moore is, is what you're saying probably ran into right it's just yeah. you want you want to see more out of this type of player and like, like that's where I kind of go back to like we never really saw a healthy Trevor Moore toward the end of the last year, where like when he was buzzing, he was one of the better forwards on the ice. That's why like the whole Thousand Oaks kind of thing started is because he was doing a lot of things uh, during games. So that, that's why I'm like I'm waiting, I'm looking forward to anticipating a good season for Trevor Moore this year, and, and I think that expectations. I think he'll leave, live up to him. I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I'm I'm with Joe on his thirty goals, but that's where the bold <laughs> predictions come into play. But yeah, I think he he can have a breakout season this year. I don't think you're you're off base here though, Randon. Like I, I totally see where you're going with the Ayafalo conversation, and really, you. The, I think the difference at the time, like Ayafalo was the first line left wing, um, yeah. and he he played excellent defense as a as a as a winger. So you could say that there was you know, reason, I guess, to give him, and at least it was reported that Kopitar enjoyed playing with Ayafalo. So, but I do think there's a better player in Trevor Moore. I think he's a, he's got more upside. I, I still think that's there. And, you know, listen, it's got, it, that doesn't mean it's going to happen just because I think it's going to happen. It very well might not. And it could look bad. That's, that's, I, I don't think it's a crazy, that's in the realm of possibility. Absolutely. Randon. I, I tend to buy is I guess where I'm at is I think, I do think the best is still yet to come for Trevor Moore. You're buying oh, I, stock on Trevor Moore. I am. Yeah. And, and hey, we've always said we're we're a podcast by the fans for the fans and where we bring up real concerns. And this team is already in, in cap hell. Uh, and it's going to continue being that way when they're trying to find ways to pay different players. And I, and I just don't want to get stuck with a contract where it doesn't age well, especially since it's not like they just paid the guy for for two years at four right. million. I wouldn't have I wouldn't care about that. But you're talking about a five year contract that starts this year yep. until he's thirty two years of age, average four point two. Yeah, yada yada. The cap's supposed to go up, all this kind of jazz, but still, that's not chump change. You know, you're not getting yeah. him for a steal. So I, I think it's just something to take a look at. We get to one one more Kings uh, or fandom quest or uh, prediction here. And that's Trapper coming in. Bull prediction already is potting 30. He, he he saw your Trevor Moore 30 and he called you there, Joe. Uh, he wants to see what hands are being dealt. Uh already coming there. I I know this is a fan favorite, and I'll just take this. I, I think I think he's a fan favorite. I think everybody sees his shot as an elite shot, and I and I still think it's an elite shot. Mm-hmm. Will he ever get the top six minutes five on five to be a 30 goal scorer? And I just don't think that's ever going to be the case. 
I just don't think he has that playmaking ability or the skating where the game is going to consistently be up in the top six. I would love to be proven wrong, but I do think he can score 15 to 20 goals on the power play. So I like they need to force him on the power play too. And I mean, he had what 13, I think last year, I think 10 of which were on the power play. So like, it's not far off to have him be a power play merchant and play third and fourth line minutes. He's definitely got the shot for it. That's why I like, if you have to place Arthur Kaliev on the fourth line, because you get a player like Ferrier or whoever that just forces their way onto the second line or third line or whatever. I mean, but you still have Arthur Kaliev for the power play opportunities and that's where he thrives. So, I mean, yeah, it's, he's, Arthur Kaliev is here to score goals. He's not here to shut down his opponent or anything like that. He's here to score and give him as many, give him the Ovechkin treatment where he's just constantly on the ice just for power plays, right? I mean, don't take him off the ice during power plays. Leave him on there. So, like, I, I'm with you. Like, it, this is, I think this is a big year for Kaliev. So, uh, yeah, we, we talked about Byfield. We've talked about other players that are kind of have lofty expectations. But, I mean, with Arthur Kaliev, this is a player that's been giving given opportunities. And is still kind of not really grasped it like really as much as some other players have so far. So if they're going to give him the chance to play with a player like Dubois and Fiala, you're probably you're arguably your best offensive player and your new toy, I guess, that you're paying eight point five million dollars. If you were giving him those two as line mates, then he's going to be expected to produce. And if he doesn't, I, I wonder how how long that leash is going to be with Cali before McClellan makes a move. I think there's zero yeah, leash. Sure. Yeah, I think right it's sure. yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I think so too. And and I Just, we I think the guy last season who had the most riding on the season was Velarde, and we call that out. I think this yep. year the the player with the most riding on his play this season is probably Kaliev. With all the players we mentioned that are on his heels, wanting roster spots, who are playing well uh, in the season, like he has to perform. It's not off the realm of possibility to where he gets lost in translation uh, for this roster. It's, it's so funny that like, we're, we're talking about this with Kaliev, and, and rightly so. I think this is a good conversation. But it's like the first-round pick in Alex Turcotte that was taking fifth overall hasn't even played. We're not even really oh, – let's, hopefully he can play and stay healthy. Like, let's, let's see what we get out of him. But, yeah, no, I totally agree. I, like, I, just, I think Kaliev, it's, it's going to be a big year for him. Hopefully he can, he can live up to those expectations. It's almost as if Turcotte has has become like just not an afterthought, but like you got to see a wild card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gone from what top five pick to a wild card (laughs) to a lot to a dart throw. What two two years ago I was like he's going to be a bust pick if he doesn't play 850 games because that's the average amount of games that a top five pick plays, and I just want him to play eight games. You right, know, like, like just like get on the ice, you know. And but man, again, it, you saw you saw a little bit. You saw, and I haven't seen today, today, tonight's game, obviously. But man, just watching the game in Australia when he's on the ice, he's he's buzzing out there. He's buzzing. The World Championship shows what why he was picked fifth overall. Yeah. It just he hasn't been on the ice. Yeah. Dude, I will. I go back and watch the the highlights of that USA Finland game, like almost like every month. Like that game <laughs> is one of my favorite World Juniors games. Of all time. I mean, you have Arthur Kaliev, Alex Turcotte. I mean, you think about that USA team that they had in terms oh. of with Kaliev, Turcotte, Zegris, uh, Boldy, uh, Faber was on that team. I mean, there, there's just talent loaded on that roster. And Cam York. Against, 
Cam York, yeah, Cam York. Uh, but yeah, and they went up against Finland, who had the legit team themselves, and Lundell and Simmons Tyval and and uh, I think Hinanola, I believe, was on that team. Man, man, it was just that was a great game. So, but yeah, uh, Turcotte's looking really good tonight. I'm watching the game right now, and he's looking pretty good. And and you'll love this, Joe. Uh, Brant Clark got a he kind of uh, I think it's Drew Hellison kind of got into Eric Portillo's grill a little bit and Clark just kind of got him in a headlock and just okay rang him back there so there we go that's kind of stuff aggression you want to see from Brand Clark right so yeah the train the train's got a little guard on the front I like it you know we gotta, we gotta clear the way, clear too. clear the cattle out of the out of the out of the street Portillo's looking pretty he's pretty good the the duck scored it's four to two but he's he's made some pretty good saves so that's good to see what about uh Jacob Ingham well before we get out of here Jacob Ingham he's looked like he's done great this preseason uh, you got to feel confident about the goalie depth a little bit more in the organization yeah. after the preseason hockey. I mean, I, I, we talked about Jacob being a little bit yes, our last episode, I believe, after the rookie faceoff, but he's just turned into a player that I just I, I want to root for because yeah. of the, everything he's going for uh, with his back surgery, missing all last year. You can just kind of hear the emotion in his voice when he talks about the game after the rookie faceoff. And yeah, he's played he's played pretty good in his couple of preseason uh, appearances so far. I think he had the one game in Anaheim. And they lost in overtime or whatever it was, but yeah, I thought he had a pretty good game. So maybe you can kind of build on that a little bit. I don't, I don't expect him to be on the rain roster, but who knows? Maybe he gets picked up by another team, or, or he kind of sticks around the Kings' uh, pipeline a little bit and makes kind of builds off of uh, builds the momentum a little bit. Yeah, they can use as many bodies between the pipes right now in the pipeline that as as they can get. If that's what I say, so yeah, especially exactly. if they, hopefully he sticks around met. and can play. Yeah. Well, I, I like the waves in the background. It kind of calms me down when I'm watching <laughs> you guys there. So we might have to keep that up. But uh, thank you guys for being in the chat. You guys are always, you guys make the show possible here. So appreciate you guys coming to the chat. As always, you can find all these articles, including Russell Morgan's uh, big predictions, bold predictions article that came out today on hockeyroyalty.com. Go ahead and get your merch. Find us at hockey underscore royalty at JW Paterino at NHL Russell and at Rando Commando 24. You guys will be with the dynamic Doosome the next couple of weeks. I will be across the pond in Europe having some fun. Uh, you might get some uh, 2 a.m. random if I feel lucky. Uh, but otherwise, the boys will be holding it down uh, to start the season. So get in here, support them, like and subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your uncles. Our goal is to get over 1,000 subscribers this season. We're right over 667. So punch that subscribe button. Please help us out. We appreciate you guys. Uh, Terry, first time I've seen your comment. Terry Westy, thank you. You're welcome. Come, Thank you for coming in the chat. Uh, I like it. And Noah, I vote for in favor of 2 a.m. Randon. You I might get your wish. You might get your wish. Enjoy that trip, though, man. Enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, enjoy yourself. Have a good time, buddy. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And as always, on this podcast, go Kings go.